Wow. Wow. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. <laughs> oh, Jesus, you're so good. Oh, man. Yeah, I feel like I just got laid out again. Like, the angels for centuries have been staring at God. And they catch another glimpse, and they just go, wow. And they can't do anything but just go, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And I love when we as a community, you know, it's amazing when it's, when it's individually, when you're at your home or in your car or whatever it is, but I love, 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 love when we as a community catch another glimpse of his goodness, catch another glimpse of his presence and his grace and, and who he is, and it changes us. Wow. So, Lord, we say keep coming. Change us, God. Change me. Change my heart. Change my mind. And Lord, I'm asking you with power that you would give us power in our inner beings, that we would be able to grasp how high and wide and deep and how big your love is this morning, that we would know your love, even though it goes beyond all understanding. Amen. Amen. Well, happy Father's Day, everybody. Happy Father's Day. It's amazing. Um, to start off, I thought there was only one proper way to honor the fathers, and that was I'm sorry, dads, we don't have a pair of New Balance sneakers for each and every single one of you, uh, but we do have, uh, I do have some dad jokes for you, all right? So are you ready? Are you ready for this? Okay, ready. Um, what's blue and not very heavy? Light blue. Light blue. Um, I just got some bad news, by the way. Uh, went to the doctor and I just got diagnosed. Turns out I'm colorblind and that came out of the purple for me. Um, what, what footwear, ready, this is a Shunker original, what footwear did Jesus wear during his three years of ministry? Cross trainers. <laughs> Ooh, too soon? Too soon? <laughs> Um, what genre are national anthems? Country. Yes. Uh, pro tip, if you're ever attacked by a gang of clowns, go for the juggler. And uh, when, when does a joke become a dad joke? When it becomes a parent. But actually, it's all in the delivery. <laughs> so... Uh, a <laughs> I'm, I'm getting yelled at from the front row that it's actually in the conception. That's uh, it great. It was wonderful. Oh, wow. <laughs> I like it. I like it a lot. You know who the original Trader Joe's was? Joseph's uh, 11 older brothers. <laughs> you know... You know who the, um, the first person in scripture to do the Daniel fast was Daniel. You know who the second was? The lions. Um, do you know who the shortest man was in the Bible? Uh, some people think it was Nehemiah, but it was actually Bildad the Shuhite. 
That's a real name. You can go look that one up right there. Anyway, I have way more um, Bible jokes. So if you'd like one, just see me after. But preferably, if you like prayer after, see me after. <laughs> or better yet, pray for me. I need help. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Um, well, it's just my joy and privilege to be able to share with you a little bit this morning. Um, we have Pastor John are not uh, with us last week. John and Carol are just uh, incredible. The founders of Catch the Fire around the world, and they're just incredible, incredible people. Um, and John shared with us, how many of you were here or how many of you listened to the message about the soon coming of Jesus? And I don't know about you, but I was so encouraged by it because I need a good reminder that Jesus is coming back because I'm so quick to forget. And if I forget, I lose perspective. If I forget, I, I lose eternity in mind and I start living for today or tomorrow or even for the next year or the next five years, forgetting that this life is just training for the next eons, centuries, millennia that we're going to spend with Jesus. And so I was just so appreciative and so thankful for his uh, reminder to keep the soon coming of the Lord in mind. And actually, uh, when I found out I was going to be preaching on Father's Day, I got really excited. I started praying, and I actually want to speak to you about what happens after the return of Jesus. And I want to look at how that affects us here and now, and how that affects us in um, our marriages, how that affects us in parenting, how that affects us in our cities. It's going to be amazing, I hope. So please turn with me in your Bibles to Revelation 21, and we're going to read this. And I had the privilege of being able to uh, share this with our Connect group uh, a few weeks ago. Um, and I, I love that Pastor John was actually able to set it up without him knowing. Okay, so Revelation 21 says this. John is writing, John the Revelator, who wrote the book, and this is what happens at the end of time, after the dragon is defeated, after sin and death are defeated, he says this. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning or crying or pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. And all God's people said, Amen. What an encouraging piece of scripture. For those of you taking notes, my, uh, my uh, title this morning is Anchored in Hope, subtitle, The Ultimate Father's Day. 
anchored in hope, the ultimate Father's Day. Oh, you know, I've been in this passage now for the last few years, and I'm realizing how wrong I have been about my concept of heaven. And for that, I blame Philadelphia cream cheese. I don't know if any of you have ever had the joy that is Philadelphia cream cheese, um, but when you perfectly toast a bagel so that the inside is just perfectly crispy, but the outside is soft and chewy, and you take it out of the toaster and you slap some Philadelphia cream cheese on there, not like a weak amount, but a nice, good, thick amount, so that it gets nice and soft and warm and creamy and gooey and, oh, come on! Um, it's a spiritual experience, I just like to say. And the reason I blame Philadelphia for my conception of heaven is because uh, years ago, they ran an ad campaign. Some of you may remember this. But there was this lady who was dressed like an angel, and she would lounge around on clouds while playing and strumming this harp. And um, she would take this bagel with this glorious white spread on it and she'd take a bite and she'd go oh that's so good and then it would cut and it would say Philadelphia cream cheese and I'm like dang it's so good they eat it in heaven that's amazing and I grew up with this concept that in heaven we are going to be on clouds floating away bouncing along that we're going to play harps and that brings me great hope because I am not musically inclined whatsoever. Um, the worship team has kept me in perpetual, um, uh, perpetually trying to audition for them. They never set a date for whatever reason. I can't get past it. Um, and so we, I see these harps, I see these clouds, I see the streets of gold, and I go, yeah, that's what we're going to do. Has anyone else thought that? Isn't that a little bit weird? <laughs> That doesn't sound that appealing to me. I'm just going to be honest with you. Have you ever thought, what am I going to do for eternity? Like, great. Is eternity going to be a church service? for? I mean, we had worship for 45 minutes. It's amazing. I don't know if I can do that. Year after year after year, century after. Is that what we're going to experience? Are we just going to be floating somewhere? Are we going to enjoy the streets of gold? Am I going to enjoy my mansion in heaven? I hope it's got a pool. We will find out. You know, I had this idea that, he that heaven was someplace I went to. Heaven was where I escaped the earth and got to go. And as I'm reading Revelation 21, I'm realizing how wrong I am. Because at the end of time, it doesn't say that I get to go to heaven. It says that God comes here. God comes to make his dwelling with us. God comes to live with you and with me. And it says that there's a new heaven and a new earth. And actually, we see a holy city descending from heaven and coming so that God takes up his reign and his abode here on the earth. And I'm realizing that this is what begins to differentiate Christianity from pretty much every other religion. Because every other religion... The reward is heaven. The reward is an escape from the earth. But the hope of Christianity is not the escape from the earth, but the renewal of the earth. 
the hope of Christianity is that God is coming and he's going to set things right. God is going to turn things around. God is going to wipe away the bad. And he's going to live and rule and reign with us forever. That is the hope. And when we see that, and that is why my message title today is Anchored in Hope. Because when you see that and when you live in that, it gives you hope for the future and strength for today. And it will absolutely change you. Come on. So we see a holy city. We don't just see individual pods. We don't just get assimilated into the Borg or the large nothingness. We see a city. We see community. We see relationships. We see ecosystems. We see that God is coming to renew and restore the cities. And actually, just as a side note, what we see here, I believe, is the fulfillment of Eden. Because God takes Adam and Eve and he puts them into a garden and he says, now go do what humans do. Go create. Go be like me and create. And I believe the invitation from God to Adam and Eve was to build a big city and then to build cities. But because of sin and because of the fall, cities have become a place where sin flourishes, where sin runs rampant. But let me tell you this, that in cities there is more square image of God per capita than anywhere in the country. There's more creativity. There's more life. That's why cities are really... Um, the core of nations. And if you want to affect a nation, you got to affect a city. And what we see here at the end of time is we see a city, the perfect city, but it has a garden in the middle of it. And, center, and in the garden, there's a, there's a throne, and from the throne flows the stream of living water with trees on either side. For the healing of the nations, it says in Revelation 22. And what are nations built upon other than provinces? And what are provinces made out of than cities? The, heal, the, tree, the leaves of the tree are for the healing of cities. And then it goes on and it says, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, look, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning or crying or pain anymore for the former things have passed away. What? Let me read that again. I don't think we got that. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Is there anyone here who's wept? Death shall be no more. Have any of your lives been touched by death? Neither shall there be mourning. Have any of us mourned? There shall be no more crying. Have any of us cried? Nor pain anymore. How many of us have been in pain? In fact, let me ask you this. What is the single most painful event of your life? What's your biggest failure? What's the thing that you look at in your life that you're constantly looking back at and going, if that was different, I would be different. If it wasn't like that, I would be changed. Perhaps it's your marriage blowing up. Perhaps it's a spouse dying or a kid dying or a parent dying. Perhaps it's a bankruptcy. Perhaps it's your family's legacy. 
If something changed in your life that would absolutely wipe that away, what would that look like for you? See, because the promise of Scripture and what Jesus is saying here is that he cares so much about that. He cares so much about you that he is coming to wipe that away. He is coming to undo that. I was speaking with, I was speaking with someone earlier this week, and um, he's in the middle of uh, going through a, a separation and really struggling and saying, you know, some really great things came out of our marriage, but I just don't know what the future holds. And also there's some really, really difficult things we need to walk through. And I couldn't help but think as I sat with him and he's crying and there's, there's this pain coming up. Couldn't help but think, man, here, all of that pain is going to get wiped away. It's going to come undone. What it's going to look like, I don't know. How it's going to happen, I have no idea. When it's going to happen, at some point. But I know who's going to do it. I know that God is coming and he has seen and he is coming to undo all the pain that has been caused in our lives. He's coming to rescue us and redeem us and renew us and restore us. So that when you look over your life, at, this, at the end of time, the bad things in your life will come undone. But the good things in your life, they can never be lost. There's the family and the joy and the life. Those things can never be lost. And yet the best things are yet to come. Oh, come on. The bad things will come undone. The good things can never be lost. And the best things are yet to come, everybody. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither there shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. Think about this. When you stand before Jesus on that glorious, glorious day, you will be you fully as God intended you to be. Right now, we see just a shadow of you. We see you hidden by shame, hidden by pain. There's sickness, there's death there's fear, there's anxiety. Think about that day when all of those things are wiped away and you stand before him and he goes, ah, oh, I love you. And you go, oh, I love you. What a thought. C.S. Lewis said that if you, if you caught a glimpse, if you just caught a glimpse of who that true self is, of who you're going to be at the end of time, you would be tempted to fall at your own feet and worship yourself because of the glory that God has put inside of you, because of the wisdom and the power and the strength that he's put inside of you, because of the gifts he's given to you. And there's coming a day, my friend, when all of that pain will come undone, when all of that stuff will be wiped away. And not just individually, this is going to happen in our cities. Because here we have the perfect city. Here we have a perfect ecosystem where there's not any bribery, there's not any lust for power, there's not any oppression, there's nothing that's happened in humanity that's going to continue to cause harm or pain to people. 
What would that look like in our city? What would that look like here and now? And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Guys, you can take this to the bank. As certainly as the sun will rise, as certainly as you are seated, seated? Sitting. Sitting and seated. Here at 2304 Page Road or wherever it is that you're joining us online, as surely as you are sitting, as surely as you are listening, this is going to happen because he is trustworthy and true. Because he is the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. That means your life didn't start except for God. And it means that your life won't end except for God. And it means that everything in between is going to be God. And at the end of time, you're going to stand before him. And the pain's going to get wiped away. The good's going to be, is, is going to be accentuated. And you're going to rejoice like never before. Woo! We're going to party like never before. We're going to scream and we're going to shout and we're going to jump or we're going to dance and we're going to sing like never before because we're going to be fully loved and fully known at the same time. Oh, come on. That's really, really exciting. And then Jesus says this to the thirsty. Is anyone thirsty? To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers, right? Just like John said last week, if you're called to be an overcomer, overcomers need something to overcome. There is no testimony without a test. And all you're doing is you're getting trained to reign in this life. That's all that's happening. So all the pain, all the trauma, all the stuff that we're walking through right now, all it's doing is preparing us for what's to come. All it's doing is you are getting ready for the fulfillment of the ages and Jesus to sweep us up into his glorious new kingdom. The one who conquers will have this heritage and I will be his God and he will be my son. What? I will be his God? He will be my son? The ultimate Father's Day. Boom. Mic drop. Yeah. Hey, man, you, you just got to get used to it, right? And simultaneously in this passage, we're called the bride and we're called sons. So what are you going to be? Yes, brides and sons. Sons who are brides. Bridal sons. I don't know. I'm going to stop there. But here's what, here's what God says. He uses possessive language. And he invites us to use possessive language. He says, my son, my daughter, I will be yours and you will be mine. How, how awkward would it be if I stood at the front door as, as you all were walking in and I greeted each one of you and said, hi, it's so good to see you. My Rochelle. Hi, my Michael. Hello, my Mallory. Hello, my Duncan. Hello, my John. You guys would be like, I don't think we're coming back here anymore. I, th I think we're good. Because that possessive language is used for very few people on this earth. 
there are very few people that you can turn around and say, mine, you are mine. Like the seagull from Finding Nemo, mine, mine, you're mine. <laughs> there's, there's one woman I can say that to, and that's Andrea. She's my wife. There's three kids I can say that to, Wesley, Hazel, and Lincoln. You're my son. You're my daughter. That implies possessiveness, but not just possessiveness. That, per, that implies intimacy. That means that we belong to each other. That means we fit together. That means I am, I am theirs just as much as they are mine. And this is the relationship God is inviting you and I into. And you will not live, you will not be able to enter into the redemption and the renewal of all time if you are unable to look him in the eyes and say, you're mine. So you've got to move from God being your mom's God, your dad's God. Oh, he's my pastor's God. Oh, he's Hannah's God. No, no, no. He's my God. And I am his. And I'm his child. And when you can say that wholly and completely and fully, at that point, you are the most free in your life. Because it means you are free from every other thing on this world that will try to hold you. Because the very next verse, but as for the cowards, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. We look at that and we go, well, that's rude. That seems kind of arbitrary, God. Don't smite me. But actually what we miss is that we either belong to God or we belong to something else. Because why would you be cowardly except to save your own life? You belong to you. Why would you lie except to save your own skin? You're thinking of you. Why would you... Um, why would you be sexually immoral unless you're thinking about you and your fulfillment? You look at sorcerers and you go, oh, I'm not doing any weird incantations. You're right, but sorcery is about power. Are you trying to get more power? Are you trying to get more power in your workplace? Are you playing the political games that you get up in people's eyes? Well, in that case, you're trying to gain more power for yourself. Are you trying to work for money, for prestige? Are you trying to work for approval? All those things become things that you belong to. And my friends, God is unwilling. He so loves us and so cares for us that he's unwilling to share you and share me. He is saying, if I'm going to be your God and you're going to be my son, my daughter, it's got to be an exclusive relationship. There's no one else that I want in our, in our midst. And that's the invitation for us. It's to look him in the eyes and say, God, you're my God. Not the God I've just heard about. Not just John, Jonathan's God. Not just Hendria's God. You are my God. And when that happens, we become the happiest of people. Now, this is where we're going. But how does this apply to us now? What begins to happen 
is that now we see but a glimpse. Now the things that are hindering us, the things that, um, the things that we're not living out of our true selves, those things are just dross. It's like when uh, you're purifying gold, you have to put it into a furnace a, a couple times so that the dross, the impurities are burned up and only the gold remains. And there are things in our lives that God allows into our life in order to burn up the impurities, in order to expose them. And that's the process that you and I are currently in. But it's all looking forward to the one day when we stand before him and we look him in the face and he says, you are mine and I am yours. And that's the joy that we have here on this earth. See, Andrea and I, we just passed 10 years of marriage last Thursday. Come on, that's, that's amazing. If I was a university professor, I would say that we have hit tenure. Oh! Um, we just passed 10 years of marriage. And when I look back over the 10 years, we've had some great highs, but we've also had some low lows. And the low lows have been primarily because each one of us is still working out our salvation. We're still becoming the people God has called us to be. And, the time, and I'm so grateful for her because the times that I'm being rude, the times that I'm being mean, the times that I'm being selfish, the times that I'm being angry, what she does is she looks ahead to that day when I stand before Jesus and she goes, no, John, that's not you. Come on, you're better than that. Come on, you're stronger than that. Come on, you're greater than that. John, you're acting in a manner beneath your calling. And she helps call me out of it. Because, and I, I get to do the same to her. Because we are both looking forward to that day when we stand before Jesus together. And I will look at her and I will say, wow, there's the woman I married. There's the woman I always knew you were underneath all of that dross, underneath all that fear, underneath all that anxiety, underneath all the stuff that tried to, that, that was just dross, that was being burned up. There's the woman I married. And she'll be able to do the same to me. And my friends, that is what we're committed to. That is marriage. That's what we're journeying towards. And so even in some of our darkest times, even in some of our most hopeless times, that gives us hope to pull us forward because we are moving towards eternity. And the same way we get to do that with our kids. Wesley's birthday is on Thursday. He's about to turn four years old. Four years old. I, oh, man, four years. Really, I think we should throw birthday parties for parents instead of kids because we've kept them alive for another year. And that's a huge, huge accomplishment. So if you're a parent, give yourself a hand right now that your kids are alive. That's huge. But my goal as a dad, my job as a dad, is to help move my kids along not to who I think they should become or what they should do, but to that day when they stand before Jesus and they can look him in his fiery eyes and he looks at them and he says, welcome home, my son, my daughter. They're not mine, they're his. And what helps keep this in perspective for me is every morning I'll wake up and I'll, I'll give myself a little pep talk 
usually consists of something like this. Oh, I'm awake. Jesus, help, 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 help. John, you did it. You survived another day. You survived a sleepless night. And I'm serious, man. Sometimes I'll wake up in the night and my kid's face is right here. Ah! Dad, yes, I need to pee. So go pee. Why are you here? I don't need to see your face. Go pee. John, you made it. You made it. Okay, there's another day here. This is the youngest your kids are ever going to be today. This is the smallest they're ever going to be. And by saying that to my heart, what that does is on the really low lows, on the really terror, on the meltdowns, on the craziness, it gives me hope that we're getting through it and Jesus is pulling us through. And, it, and also on the really high highs, it helps me sit back and enjoy it and take it in. Because I know that I'm with them for a limited time and I'm moving them by the grace of God, not for what I think their life should go, not where they should be, but where God's calling them to be. And, and the greatest thing I can do for them, before they go to bed, I pray for them. I lay my hands on them. I bless them according to who God has called them to be. And I say, this is who you are. I bless, I bless you. I bless your future children. I bless your future spouse. I bless you above all else to love Jesus with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And I bless you to love your neighbor as yourself, my beautiful son or daughter. Why? Because this is what I'm living for. I'm not living for the next 20 years. I'm not living for the next 100 years. I'm living for the next 1,000 years, 2,000 years, 10,000, whatever you want to say, because I want eternity in my kids. And I'm committed to seeing that worked out in them. It was, I think it was E.H. Gifford who said this, that the more you love your son, the more you love your son, the more you hate in him, the gambler, the drug addict, the liar, the cheat, the coward, because you see who they're called to be. And it's our joy and privilege as parents to be able to direct them towards the ultimate father and for us to come in on that day and be welcomed by the father of all creation. I don't know about you, but I'm so excited for that day. And then the other thing that does, as we keep that in mind, is it makes us really, really good citizens of this earth. Because if there is a city that's perfect and righteous and holy, and that's, if it's going to happen on a personal level, it's also going to happen on a societal level. And that gives me hope because right now, I don't know how you feel, but I feel like we've never been more politicized in America. We've never disagreed more, it feels like. And my hope is not in a human understanding and not in a human solution. My hope is that one day God is going to come and he's going to undo and redo and renew us and restore us. He's going to renew and restore Durham. He's going to renew and restore Raleigh. He's going to renew and restore North Carolina. And we will see the cities that God had created them to be. 
and intended them for them for intended for them to be. And this was never more apparent to me than a few weeks ago. I, I had the joy of going out with our embrace team. And we had the joy of going to some of our friends' homes. And really, we were bringing some food. But more than that, we were bringing joy. We're bringing peace. We're bringing smiles. And we're bringing acceptance. And we're just saying, hey, it's so good to see you. Hey, it's so good to be with you. And I got the chance to give out hugs. I got the chance to give out handshakes. I got the chance to give away some food. I got the chance to meet some incredible people. And I'm, I'm standing there with some, with some of our friends and some of our team. And um, around me, there's a whole lot of people around me. Some people are smiling. Some are laughing. Some uh, look scary. I'm just being honest. Some of you in this room look scary. <laughs> Um, there's kids running around, there's, there's um, fragrances in the air, um, some specific fragrances, and I was, I was standing there talking and laughing and praying for people, and while I'm doing that, I'm going, God, I'm holding on to you, I'm holding on to your promise for renewal and restoration for my friends. I'm holding on that you are going to come and undo the bad and you're going to bring the good for them. And then after this, they got a chance to drive around some of Durham. And while I'm driving, I'm driving, I'm trying to get to the 147. And the 147, when it was built, it was built right through the middle of some of the poorest neighborhoods. It was built right through some of the black neighborhoods, some of the um, homes that had been built with neighbors. Now the house gets demolished and an overpass goes right by the house because they didn't have the power, they didn't have the money to stop it from happening. And I'm in the middle of Durham, and I look at a 147, and I went, God, I don't know how, I don't know what, I don't even know when, but I know that one day that 147 doesn't exist in this fashion. The, that, that oppression that has happened for people groups does not happen. And it gives me great hope to be able to work towards that now for our friends. It gives me great hope to work for, for justice and for peace for them. Why? Because Jesus taught us to pray on earth as it is in heaven. And in heaven that doesn't exist. And in heaven that pain gets wiped away. And in heaven that fear is wiped away. And in heaven we are free to be the true selves that God created you and created me to be. And so with all my heart, I want to work for that right now. I want to be true, the truer John than ever before and come alive in ways that only God has created me to come alive in. And the same for us. And I believe that as we begin to live like that, as we begin to dedicate ourselves and work for our cities and work for our neighborhoods and work for our families, that it starts to happen right now. Because Jesus says, behold, I am making all things new. He doesn't say, I will make all things new. He doesn't say, eventually it'll all be new. No, no, no. He says, I am making, I'm in the process right now of renewing you and restoring you. I'm in the process right now of bringing my life to you, of bringing my city to you, of bringing my kingdom to you. And when that begins to happen, the kingdom of heaven begins to be rooted and grounded in us. 
And that is how oppression gets wiped away. And that is how racism gets wiped away. And that is how all, all these things, that's how sickness and death gets wiped away. And that's what we're called to work towards. Whoa, come on. You could spend a lifetime dedicated to that. And I intend to. With all my heart, I intend to spend my life dedicated to the kingdom of heaven and seeing God's kingdom be rooted and being planted here on the earth. So what would it look like? What would it look like for you and your families? What would it look like if God began to re, to, begins to rewrite some of the pain? What, what would it look like for you if God begins to rewrite some of your failures? Heck, what would it begin for you if God begins to rewrite some of your victories so that they don't become your victories, they become his victories? They don't become your failures, they become his failures. And that's the invitation from God for you and for me. Redemption and renewal, we start to taste now as we look earnestly, expectedly, and hopefully towards the future. Come on, let's stand. Wow. Whew. I don't know about you, but I feel challenged in my spirit. <laughs> and I feel so hopeful and joyful. So come on, lift your eyes towards him right now. And begin to turn your heart and your affection to him. If you'd like, you can close your eyes or you can keep them open or whatever that looks like. You can hold out your hands if you like. But Father, I thank you that you are our Father. I thank you that you are the father of creation and you are inviting us into relationship with you. That you would call us your own and we would call you our God. And Lord, right now I'm asking that your sweet Holy Spirit, the spirit of adoption, the spirit of Jesus would come and would land upon each one of us. Ah, Lord, that you would come and testify within us once again that we are beloved sons and daughters that we are beloved in your kingdom, that you have welcomed us in and called us your own. And Lord, this morning we respond to you and we say we are yours and you are ours. We are yours and you are ours. Come on, would you just begin to say that over yourself? Begin to pray that to him. Say, God, you are mine and I am yours. Maybe you've never prayed this before. Maybe you've never said this to him. Maybe God has been far off for you or someone else's God. But, th but today, you can begin to call him yours. Because he's starting to call you his. And if you are a parent in this room, you can begin to say that over your children. And even if you're not a parent, you can begin to say this over your future children by faith. You can begin to say, Wesley, he is yours and you are his. Hazel, you are yours. Or you are his and he is yours. You can begin to claim that over them and say, I release you. I bless you to become the best son, the best daughter that you could be. Father, would you help us become the best parents we could be? Would you help us become the best husbands, the best wives we could be? I just feel like the Lord's breaking off hopelessness 
Like some of us have been stuck in situations, whether it's marriages, whether it's a job, whether it's um, finances, whether it's relationships. I feel like some of us have been so hopeless. And this morning, God is bringing fresh hope into us. He's breathing fresh hope into our hearts, fresh hope into our minds. And these things are beginning to lift off. We're going to do one more thing. I'd like you to ask the Lord, turn your affection and your heart toward him and say, Lord, come on, pray this with me. Lord, how do you see me? And I'd like you to just wait. Just wait for a moment. Some of you are going to get a picture. You're going to get a thought. You're going to get a word. Just going to get a, a, a glimpse of how God sees you and therefore how he treats you according to eternity. God, how do you see me? God, how do you see me? And then I'd like you to turn and find someone. Turn and find someone. Turn to them and look at them and say this. You may need to introduce yourself. Hi, I'm so-and-so. <laughs> who you see in front of you is just a shadow of who I'm called to be and who I'm good to be. Come on, say this to them. Who you see in front of you is just a shadow. I want to let you know that God has called me and I want you to share for a second. Just take a moment and say, God has called me friend. God has called me his. God has called me joyful or peaceful or strength. Or God gave me this picture. I just want you to take a second and share with each other what you felt like God gave to you. And then you're going to take a moment and you're going to bless each other. You're going to put your hands on each other's shoulders and you're going to say, my friend or my husband or my wife, I bless you. I bless you to, to become that even more. I bless you to be changed and transformed. I bless you to become like him in the mighty name of Jesus. I bless you today. And you can do this, you can do this with your neighborhoods, you can do this with your neighbors, you can do this with your city. God, what have you called the city to be? God, what have you called this neighborhood to be? And as we do that, we become agents of renewal and restoration in our cities. So Cash the Fire, we bless you to be the most joy-filled, powerful, mighty people, to be great citizens of this earth while your hope is anchored in him. We bless you. Have a phenomenal day. Have a phenomenal week. I'm going to turn it over to Rochelle.